Um, you know, in this series that I've been on, my hope and my prayer has been that there's a positive response uh, to the, I believe, the challenge of the Holy Spirit in 2022 for us to grow in our faith in Christ more than we ever have before. I, I see things in pictures. I remember that when I had uh, my five daughters home that there were times when they just seemed to be at a zero growth stage, or if it was, it was so small, but it seemed like all of a sudden, and you know this if you've had children, grandchildren, all of a sudden, it's like they take a shoot, they shoot up two or three inches at a time, and uh, sometimes uh, they have growing pains. They have a couple of grandchildren that, uh, you know, one grandson in particular, little guy who wakes up screaming in the night because he's having spasms in his legs because of growing pains. And all mom and dad can do is go in there and comfort him and rub it, and he's, oh, it hurts, it hurts, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a stage, it's a season, a season of growth. And I think God would have all of his people to be in a season of growth because, as I shared last week, there are things that are coming that we need to be prepared for. There are things that are coming that we will have no control over. And there's nothing more frustrating or irritating to have things happen that we can't control. I think we've all been there. Whether it's a sickness, uh, a disease of a loved one. I have a brother who has two rare blood diseases. How did one person get two rare blood diseases? And I just see uh, his health uh, being stolen from, his vitality. He was always the athlete in the family. He would tell you, I've always been the athlete. You know. But uh, it has laid him low, and he is putting his full faith and trust in God. He says, my future is in God's hands, not in the doctor's. And so we're trusting God for that, and he has come to realize that I have no control over this. I will continue to pray for healing and ask for prayers, but my trust is in Christ, and if he takes me home, I'm going to be with him anyway, and I'll be healed. And he'll be running track and cross-country in heaven, I think. You know, he's just playing basketball. I don't know what they have in heaven like that, but uh, he, he would enjoy that. But here in this uh, message today um, is titled Know Your Enemy, and to know your enemy is to have an advantage over your enemy, it is to know their secrets, their strategies, to know that. And, uh, you know, we have War College in the United States and strategies in the Pentagon where they're meeting in private rooms, and they have already probably 10 years ago, and they keep meeting to upgrade as the world conditions change and nations change, nations rise and fall in power or threats, and they have strategies that are arrayed for, they think, they believe, and maybe they do, and maybe they don't, God knows, for every contingency, is that if USSR does this, then we're going to do this. If they do this to this country, if China does this, this is what we will do. Now, strong leadership is important, and I don't think we have strong leadership right now. And I'm not saying anything negative about any party. I'm just saying that we do need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our president, for God to help him. So much depends on it. When your enemy sees a weakness, they go after it. Anybody who's played sports knows that. You know, there's a Super Bowl going on today. And the Super Bowl, by the way, we're not having our small group tonight because I suspected that some of you want to be home watching that or someplace. But they, there's a strategy uh, that each team has looked and they've watched hours and hours, probably countless hours, and have learned the latest about the defense and about the offense of their opponents so that they can win the, win the game. Ultimate is to win, but you've got to know your enemy. 
You got to know their strengths and you got to know their weaknesses. And the enemy uh, of our soul and the enemy of the church of Jesus Christ is Satan and the hordes of demons of different, uh, uh, different stages of, of authority, just as an army would have. And we need to be aware of that. Now, I don't like even talking about the enemy, but I do think we need to know our enemy. And there's been so much spiritual uh, attack and resistance that has come against uh, this church over the last couple of years that, you know, it's kept me really praying and encouraging people to pray for God to protect us and God to shield us and to give us wisdom about his strategies right against us. But it's really against the church of Jesus Christ in general. As you've already heard a couple of times that uh, the statistics are that since COVID hit in 2020, between 2020 and 2021, 20% of all of the churches, all denominations, uh, churches, local churches have closed their doors for good. Now, some might surmise and say that possibly those churches were on life support anyway. And so it was inevitable that someday, but that fast-forwarded everything. Be, be aware and be on your alert when things are fast-forwarded because the dynamic changes rapidly. There's a lot of things that are being fast-forwarded today in our world and in our culture that we need to be aware of. There's also uh, the understanding, and I think that we live in such in the church of Jesus Christ in the Western world, of kind of a self-centered Christianity that it's really all about us and about God and me, and, you know, I'm just saying, you know, uh, somebody says the devil's been attacking me. Well, you know, sometimes, well, really, is he? Is how important are you to the advancement of the kingdom, just a single person? I'm not trying to marginalize anybody's self-worth, but I'm just saying the devil is going to go after the big guns. He's, he's, gonna, he's going after right now, he is trying to initiate World War III, He's trying to fast forward the prophetic events for Christ's return on his calendar. Okay? He, he's tried this before. Uh, most uh, recently, he's, he's tried it uh, during World War II with Nazi Germany. Every uh, definition of the Antichrist could be in the embodiment of Adolf Hitler and his minions. And yet God said, no, it's not your time, it's my time. Why hasn't Christ returned? Well, Peter tells us because he's wanting more people to come into the kingdom, more people to be saved, more nations to be reached. We need to be aware of that. Number one, we know your enemy is he doesn't have absolute authority, nor does he have absolute power, nor does he know everything that you're thinking. Although by judging from our actions, he probably knows about what we're thinking, because so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He's a, he's a great guesser. He deduces things by strategy. But what are, what are we to do? We are the remnant. We are the people of God who stand in the gap. We are the one uh, that, that uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, withstands the enemy and holds back the powers of evil. The true church of Jesus Christ, those who are blood-washed, spirit-filled, on their way to heaven, we make a difference in what takes place in our culture and in our world. Knowing your enemy is an important strategy for victory. During this uh, season, I trust that many have made fresh commitments to the Lord. I think it's important that we daily commit our lives to the Lord each day, take up our cross daily and follow him. I've touched on that in the past weeks. I trust that many are rebuilding the altars that have been neglected or broken down. 
altars of prayer, altars of worship. Uh, Hopefully, you have been rebuilding those altars where you can find a place of prayer, where you can get in touch with God. And, and And I trust that many have revitalized their own devotional lives, their personal devotional lives. And sometimes they get neglected in this busy world that we live in. We get so busy, we think we don't have time. And yet it's more important that we find the time because God will bless the rest of our time once we give him the first fruits. Did did you hear what I said? Give God the first fruits and he'll bless what you have left. And that's just not a tithing principle of your money. That's that's of your time as well. You know, whenever there's a, a, a move on the part of an individual or a part of a church to get serious with our faith and serious about building the kingdom, the enemy does not like it. This goes without saying, but we must be aware of his ways and his strategies. The devil does not like it when a child of God, a believer, lives in the full authority of who they are in Christ. You know what he He loves an ignorant Christian who does not spend time in the Word of God to find out the promises of God or to find out who God says they are. And the authority that you have in the name of Jesus Christ that God has given to you as part of the church of Jesus Christ. He does not mind a church that is passive, complacent, or even fearful of tackling the big issues of culture that are counter to God's word and ways. You know, there are many churches and pastors who will not speak up on the abortion issue. Somebody says, well, that's political. It is not political. That's a lie from hell. It is a biblical issue. It's a God issue. God is the creator of life in the womb. God is the creator and the giver of life. Nobody has a right to take it and destroy life from the womb. You give the devil a foothold, he he gets in and he, he just takes over all over the place. You know, abortion on demand has been the law in this land since 1973, January 1973. That was devilish. That was evil. And most Christians didn't even, weren't even aware that it was. It's like, how does that affect me? It affects the nation. The nations will be judged. Who's, who's the nation? We are. And once he got that approved, you know what he's working on now? It took a while, several generations, but now he's working on post-birth abortion. That we can take the life of a child who's born who wasn't wanted. A retired California senator once said, well, when does life begin? If you can't, you know, life life begins whenever the mother decides she wants to keep the baby. Devil doesn't like it when the church wakes up and realizes that we have authority and we have the authority and the position to, to gather in his name and to cry out in agreement to God against evil. And it's things. You know, this is just one of many things that is not political. It's been made political. It's a strategy of the enemy. He has strategies. You shouldn't say this. And pastors, a lot of across the country, won't speak up about things. They won't speak up and they won't say what the Word of God says about things. The devil loves it if we just blend in and stay quiet. In the name of peace. Well, we have to be peace. We have to make peace. Peace at any cost is not peace. It's surrender. 
Peace at any cost is not worth the price. John 10.10, I quoted it in my prayer, but uh, Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. New Living Translation. To give them life to the full. To give them an abundant life. You see, gift, life is a gift from God, as we said. And God wants us to enjoy it to the full. He doesn't want us to, uh, to walk around in, in distress and trouble. That You know what life to the full is? Life to the full is, is even when circumstances around you are adverse. Even when you're suffering and even when you are in loss. Is that the life of Christ is still working inside of you. Bringing you life and encouragement and joy and hope. Life. 1 Peter 5.8 says that we are to be sober minded. Be watchful, watchful. Keep your watch. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's always looking for someone to devour. These aren't my words. These are the Apostle Paul's words. He's warning the saints of God and the church of God to be on our alert. Be watchful. Don't let your guard down. Protect yourself. Make sure you're protected because your adversary, adversary, say adversary, he's not our friend. The devil prowls around like, like a roaring lion. He's not a, a lion. He just prowls around like one. He's a, one of his many disguises. There's only one lion that deserves praise and glory, and that's the lion of the tribe of Judah. When he roars, heaven's gates shake and rattle. Demons quiver in their boots. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, And no wonder, for even... Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, another one of his disguises, an angel of light. He seems good. I remember when I first was reclaimed as a Christian when I was uh, 18 years old uh, in uh, Liberty, Missouri, and I went into the prayer room to pray, as I did often in that little prayer room, and I began to pray and to cry out to God, and I, and I just saw this, I don't know if it was a vision or what, but... It was just felt this evil all of a sudden. I looked across the room, and, and I, it was probably just something that I saw that God let me see, but I saw it was like the devil sitting in dark, and he's sitting there. And he didn't have red pajamas and a pitchfork and a tail, but he was just sitting there glaring at me. You know, the devil doesn't like it when we get serious with God in prayer when we get on our knees. And other times he comes as an angel of light, Seeming something good. Well, pro-choice is good. Pornography is healthy for couples. It helps you. That's another lie. You know, one of the biggest causes of, and I'm, you're hopefully adults, you understand this, is of ED, is pornography. It's a proven fact. Gets in your brain and it affects everything. That's why Paul warns us in his final word, this final word, be strong in the Lord and put on his mighty power, Ephesians 6.10. We are to be strong in the Lord. You know, we're not supposed to be quivering weaklings, cowering in a corner. When big issues are taking place across our nation and our planet, we're not supposed to be discouraged because, oh, we lost an election. Oh, if only, well, can I tell you and remind you again that our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone? You put your hope and your dependency on politicians, you're putting your eggs in the wrong basket. I, I say that, you're supposed to vote, you're supposed to vote according to who best represents biblical issues, not a political party that represents your pocketbook. 
But our hope is not in any political party, and it's not in any political persuasion. It is in Christ and in Christ alone. Somebody say amen. amen. And so understanding our adversary, our adversary, Ephesians 6, 11, put on. What are we supposed to do? Put on. Say put on. We talked last week about casting off the garments. Remember that? We cast off those garments that are stained. Put on all, say all, all of God's armor so that, why? So that you will be able to what? To stand firm against all, say all, the strategies of the devil. Now strategies, some translations uh, like King James call them wiles. The Greek word from the Koine Greek is methodos. Uh, where we get the word method, so the devil has methods, and it's linked together with uh, a compound word with other Greek words. But uh, uh, Rick Warren says, I want to help you to understand how the devil tries to work in the realm of the mind and the emotions. Are you listening? How he works in the mind and the emotions. That if you grab a hold of these truths, you can be set free from the devil's lies forever. Now, Ephesians 6.11, Paul explicitly tells us how the devil operates. He writes, I want you to be especially pay attention to this phrase, and he calls them the wiles of the devil or the strategies of the devil. And uh, the meaning of this word, uh, made very simple for you, uh, is a literal meaning of the word wiles, methodus is with a road. Now, it's linked together and tying together with a road or a map. If you're going on a trip, you get a road map, right? They used to make them in paper. I don't know if they still do, uh, but now you have GPS on your phones or, you know, able to navigate that way. Um, I always think it's good not to depend on GPS because sometimes GPS is wrong, but as, as some maps are outdated and everything as well. But if you're going on a trip, you want to chart out a course of how you're going to get there. And some people like the scenic route. I like the quick route because I'm impatient. You know, I'd rather travel more highway than back roads, and other people like back roads. You know, I have friends who like back roads, and it's like, why are we going this way to the meeting when we could be on the highway? Oh, I like this. I sit back just bored. I try to bite my tongue. But, um, but oh, a map, we chart out the direction that we're going in. And uh, it may seem strange when you connect this to the devil, but Paul is actually saying in Ephesians 6.11, it means that the devil is like a traveler who has a strategy of where he wants to go and how he's going to get there and what he's going to do when he gets there. That's really what the Greek is really saying. He's headed in one direction and he has one destination in mind for this particular trip, and he wants to do something once he gets there that's going to cause chaos, that's going to cause war, that's going to cause not just war on the international scale, but war within churches, war within families, war within businesses. The devil's strategies, his methods are for destruction. That's how he operates. That's what his intention is. Can I tell you something else that you maybe already know, but you need to be reminded of? The devil does not like you. In fact, he doesn't just dislike you. He hates you. You know what he hates? He hates marriage. Well, you say, why does he hate marriage? Because Paul said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that is the image of Christ in the church is that husband and wife, they mirror the image of Christ and his church. The devil hates Christ and his church, so he hates marriage. Why do you think marriage is under attack in our culture and has been for generations? You see that? Why do you think 
there was such a, a big push that when he had taken the nation, robbed us of its heritage, godly heritage, and came to a place finally when there was fertile ground for change. His methods, his strategies are to destroy marriage as God designed it between one man and one woman, a sanctified institution where he would hallow the sexual uh, enjoyment and procreation of that couple in a marriage covenant. And so push for marriage. What did he push for? Same-sex marriage. Do you think he's done there? I don't think he's done there. We already have had since that has been passed law by the courts is men and women who want to marry multiple partners. Where does it end? It will never end because evil waxes worse and worse, as the Word of God says. We are not fighting. Who's behind you know, the enemy behind the en- my enemy? And our enemy is, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places is that uh, your enemy is not necessarily your enemy, but it is a person or people who are being manipulated and used and riled up by your enemy, the devil. Can I tell you something else? Putin is not our enemy. But the demonic spirits that are riling him up and manipulating him are the real enemy, and we need to be rebuking them in the name of Christ and taking authority over them to bring peace and to thwart his efforts for expending the territory of Russia and the destruction, the death that will ensue if that takes place. And I say if because I'm not convinced because I believe that the remnant, the church of Jesus Christ, when we cry out to God and his authority in agreement that God can change things and God will move by his spirit because he listens to the prayers of his church. And we're praying according to his will because God loves peace, not war. And John in his epistle said that when we pray anything according to his will, we already have that which we have prayed. So we need to pray in agreement for peace and not war. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, right? Sometimes we have to deal with flesh and blood to change things, but evil is afoot. In the world, it's a foot in our nation, in our local schools. It is a foot in our, uh, in our communities. We have to know our enemy. He has a demonic anointing, a counterfeit anointing of the Holy Spirit that is not all-powerful. It doesn't break yokes. It, it, it brings people into bondage under the yoke. And that anointing is powerful, but it is not all-powerful. He has a demonic anointing that is counterfeit to the Holy Spirit's, and he is not divine, as we said earlier, but he is a created being who is created by God to serve the interest of the King of Heaven. He backslid, according to the Word of God. I'm not going to get into a big teaching on this because I don't want to talk about the devil more than just a week, but he backslid in Heaven because of his pride. Uh, He was the worship leader. In fact, he was created, some say, the most beautiful angel God created to lead worship in heaven. And there was a pride that rose up within him that said within his heart that I will ascend higher than God, that my throne will ascend and be uh, above his throne. And God 
slapped him down with one-third of the angels who followed him and cast them out. He declared war against God and he was defeated. In his pride, he thought he actually could win. You know, I think he's still insane enough to believe that he still can win. But the word of God is true. And if you read the last chapter of the book of Revelation, you find out that we win. That we're on the winning side. You're on the winning side of, of eternal history. One-third of the angels in heaven aligned with him, with Lucifer, and were cast down from heaven, and they are what is referred to today as demons. And I know there's some people who call Naphtali the demons. I, you know, that's a, a kind of a new and a little bit strange teaching, but uh, demons nonetheless. His strategy includes war by proxy. As we said earlier, that Putin isn't actually the enemy, but he's a tool in the hands of the devil. Putin doesn't know that. He thinks he's in charge, but he's just a tool, a pawn in the hands of the devil. During the Cold War with the USSR, some of you are old enough to remember the Cold War, there were many, many wars on the planet uh, in other nations that were started and resourced by either side of the US, uh, USSR or the United States to thwart the other enemy. The fear is, is that uh, we don't want a big confrontation because we're both nuclear powers. And so therefore, we can't get in a direct conflict with one another, so therefore we'll, we'll use nations by proxy to forward and fast forward our agenda. And so it was like a chess game on the world stage. As who could outfox the other one? They used proxy nations to avoid direct conflict, and yet these incursions had their roots in the enemy of our soul, the enemy of Christ. Iran today is being used as a pawn and as a strategy of the enemy to advance their Islamic philosophy of the world, Antichrist, and to dominate and force conversion to their brand of Islam. You say, Pastor, you're getting political. No, I'm getting, I'm getting biblical. The enemy has been using this strategy against the church to stall its progress and to destroy her from achieving the strategies that the kingdom of heaven uh, has uh, for us to, uh, to bring about world evangelism, to bring people into the kingdom. We need to be aware of that. Um, his strategy uh, is also used in his attempt to shipwreck our faith, individuals. I said that the enemy's going, really going after the big guns. He's going after the big powers. But he also tempts us. He's referred to as the tempter, one of his names. Is that he wants to tempt you to sin. He wants to tempt you. I, I call these little ankle-biting demons who want to kick you when you're down. You know, they're in there riling up things in your home between you and your spouse. Between you and your children. Breaking up relationships. Can I tell you... Back in years, years back in early days when Don and I were married and had a couple of daughters, just a couple of daughters and uh, maybe two or three at that point, and I was the worship leader at the church, and, and you know, you're supposed to be anointed when you're a worship leader. Aren't you thankful for Amy and her crew? I mean, anointed worship leaders. But something we found out is that, uh, you know, we had one car, one car family, one income family, and we found out that on Sunday morning, I had to be there early, and oftentimes uh, Donna... And the little girls weren't ready. And so I try to be patient, but you know, I'm not patient. And, and I'm waiting and waiting. You don't have to be there. have to be there at this time. And so there was a lot of times uh, that things were not very happy in the car on the way to church. 
There was tension. You could feel the tension. Sometimes it would cut like a knife. I mean, you'd cut it with a knife. And, you know, we, and I'd get to church and I'd try to get in the spirit and try to, you know, I, I try to be genuine and, and uh, 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 just honest about how I'm feeling. I don't like to pretend that I'm happy when I'm not. I, you know, I like to be real. What you see is what you get. And so that was hard. I had to do a lot of repenting right before I got up to do my ministry because I, God, okay, I was angry, God, forgive me. And there was times that I had to walk over to my wife while, it was, while the worship was being led and instruments are playing, people are singing, and walk over into it and say, the Holy Spirit just convicted me. Would you forgive me for our argument this morning? And it wasn't too long, you know, we kind of came to, uh, the Holy Spirit revealed that to both of us about the same time. Is you realize that, that we get along really good all week long until Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Okay, what, okay, what's the common thread that runs through here? Okay, God wants to use us in ministry, but he is marginalizing and minimalizing our affected ministry when we're not right with one another and right with God, when there's not unity and peace. And so we finally realized that, you know, just by the Holy Spirit te- teaching us, is that the devil's behind this. You need to rebuke the devil. When you feel anger coming up and frustration, when you feel like you're all tensed up, is to stop, wait, wait a minute, ah. And we started doing this, and we, we, tension would ride, and all of a sudden we'd look at each other and say, we need to pray. Has that ever happened in your home? Right before you're ready to do something for God, there's tension. Something happens that tries to steal your peace and to steal your anointing. You know, the devil wants to steal your anointing by cheating you out of it, by making you sin. He uses this strategy to try to slow down, to sidetrack, to shipwreck the progress of the church of Jesus Christ, but also your progress in being used by God. God wants to use you in ministry. God didn't create you to be bench setters. Heard a few amens. But God has called us to serve. Sometimes because of health or age, there's not a lot that we see that we can do. But you know what? That's why we ought to be praying. There's nothing more powerful than a saint of God who knows how to get a hold of heaven and call down heaven's reign on, on the people of God and on a situation. Now, I've said this many times, but it can't be understated. It can't be, you know, just... A, a saint of God, okay? And I've known several older people who through age, they got thinner and thinner and thinner. And I looked at this one saint of God's hands was Rita Sadowski. I was visiting her in the nursing home. And it was down to just skin and bones, skin covering bones. And I said, Lord, what about this? I just, God, what's, you know. What? And you know what he told me? He said, she has more authority and power in that little bony finger than what Satan has in his whole kingdom. God wants to use you. Some people say I'm too old to be used. You're not too old to pray. You're not too old to intercede. You're not too old to call on heaven. 
devil hates it when you do that. He wants you to be discouraged. He tempts you to quit. You're not to be a quitter. He tempts you to be fearful. One of his favorite weapons is fear and intimidation. It's a spirit of witchcraft, usurping of authority. He tempts you to compromise so that you won't have to stand out and stand up. Compromise. Just blend in. Don't say anything. You know, when you speak up, there is power and anointing that comes from your words because you're speaking biblical principles into the atmosphere. And remember, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities and unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Utilize the resources for battle. God has given us the tools for success. Be strong in the Lord, the power of His might. We need to stand strong even when we feel weak. Sometimes we feel weak. Sometimes I feel weak, and I just say, God, I just, I just, God, help me. But we talked about how the enemy attacks our emotions. He attacks our mind and tries to get us to think negatively instead of thinking biblically, and therefore we're going to speak negativity, and we're going to do negative things. And you know what that happens? That spreads like a virus, that it affects other believers, and then they just want to sit back and do nothing. But if you would stand up uh, to the enemy, and you would stand up and do what God wants you to do, you would inspire people to do likewise. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power and in the, uh, the tools that He has given to you. And Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the full armor of God. I'm not going to get into that teaching today, but we need to be arrayed for battle. Put on the armor of God. Isaiah 41.10 says this, We have promises when we feel weak. Fear not, for I am with you, God said. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will do what? I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 2 Corinthians 12.9, he tells Paul, the Spirit of God, Jesus tells him, My grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So now that I am glad, Paul says, to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. I love John Maxwell. He's a great leadership mentor of mine through his uh, leadership program. And uh, one thing John Maxwell said when he's pastoring any time in ministry, he said, I spent most of my life in deep weeds because I was overwhelmed. Things that I, I had no control over. That, you know, my, I just felt un, un, like I can't do this. He says, that's what it feels like to be in deep weeds. And he says, you know, I like being in deep weeds because suddenly I realize that when I'm in deep weeds, I have to rely on God and out of my own talents and my own abilities. People, we need to rely on God and His abilities and His power uh, to compensate and to fill us with strength when we feel weak. My grace is all you need, He says. My power, my power, God's power works better in weakness. 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back as I'm closing. But God did what He chose, what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. I could give you biblical examples of that, and they're wonderful biblical examples of how God used uh, seemingly a weakling, but he saw something inside of them that his strength would make perfect.
God chose. I like that. God chose. And we see in Ephesians 6.13, Therefore, Paul said, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing. You will still be standing. You will still be standing firm. Standing firm. The growing Christian has learned to dress themselves. And it is our responsibility to put on the full armor of God. God won't put it on for you. You know, there comes a time in every child's life when they should be dressing themselves. Somebody said, a helicopter mother runs around trying to still dress their, their son. And uh, one story is that she's trying to dress him, getting ready for school, and he says, Mom, I'm in high school now. <laughs> dress yourself. Put on the whole armor of God. Again, like last week, we don't walk around naked. We cast off what we don't, shouldn't be wearing, the garments that are stained by sin, and we put on the garments that God has prepared for us to be fully clothed and equipped for every battle. You know, babies need their diaper changed by mom, not by dad. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, there comes a time when you need to be potty trained as a believer. You need to be to your full stature as a child of God, taking responsibility now for your victory. You know, I talk to a lot of people, I'm sure Nick does too, that come in and and they talk about all the negative things that have happened in their life. And sometimes they blame external forces for all their failures. That if only this happened, if only that person had done this, you know, I, I could still be living as a victim today because of my childhood. Nick could be living as a victim. I'm sure there's others here who would be living as a victim, curled up in a uh, fetal position, sucking on your thumb with your blankie. You know, but God hasn't called us to be victims. He's delivered us from victimization. He gave us the tools for success. The enemy would love for you to be in that fetal position because then you're not interacting with him and fighting him and engaging him in battle. Uh, there's resources for victory. When you feel weak, draw on God's strength. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of prayer. We have the power of the Word of God. We have the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the power of the one who conquered death and hell. You know, Paul says, just in conclusion here, Ephesians 6.18 he says we're supposed to, after putting on the full armor of God and taking our stand and standing firm, he says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers elsewhere. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Praying in the Spirit is your prayer language God has given to you. I was talking to a lady last week in church, and she talked about uh, being engaged in, uh, uh, in uh, some... Uh, uh, issues, and she said, all of a sudden, I found myself speaking in tongues and praying, just a fairly new believer. How did she learn that? It was the Holy Spirit teaching the Word of God that maybe we haven't read yet. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that the church of Jesus Christ, and uh, Lord, and the people watching online today, as well as the church here, the believers here in this building, that, God, you would make us as bold as lions. Yes. That you would cause us, Lord, to stand up and stand firm, stand on the word of God, stand wearing the full armor of God and uh, engaging the enemy in battle. Lord God, for the kingdom of God's advancement. 
God, I pray that the people of God in these last days would become so bold that the enemy, Lord God, his plans, his strategies would be thwarted, that he would be cast back. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray for the church to rise. I pray for the people of God in this church to rise up and be counted as victors in Christ. And Lord God, remnants of your, of your people to cry out to you in the full authority of Jesus Christ by his power. Lord God, I pray for marriages to be saved and healed, and I pray for relationships to be healed. I pray for an awareness, Lord God, of the discerning of spirits, the manifest gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, so that we could discern when tensions rise, Lord, that the enemy is, Lord, is messing with us. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. I pray for this church to thrive and to grow. Lord God, for you to bless it. Lord God, as we go out and as we come in, I pray the influence of this church would be international. You have plans, God, strategies for us and for our success. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.